heart of every man craves a great adventure, but life doesn't usually feel that way. Jesus speaks of narrow gates and wide roads, but the masculine journey is filled with many twists and turns. So how do we keep from losing heart while trying to find the good way when life feels more like a losing battle than something worth dying for? Grab your gear and come on a quest with your band of brothers who will serve as the guides in what we call the masculine journey. The Masculine Journey starts here, now. We are excited today on The Masculine Journey because we are fresh off of our fall boot camp. And with us in the studio, we have a new brother in the band of brothers. We have Corey, who amazingly, I mean amazingly, and was baptized in the lake at the boot camp just a, a couple days ago. And... Uh, I think you're going to be really excited to hear some of his story. But today's show, we want to kind of go to a theme that came out of this particular boot camp of running with father. And, you know, the orphan spirit, where we were, a lot of the guys at this particular um, camp were with the North Carolina Boys Academy. And so, you know, a lot of these guys have, have had some struggles with their dads. And it's it's an interesting thing we kind of come up against at every boot camp right sam this orphan spirit this sense that we're fatherless you know i think it's uh yes robbie we do i think it's easy a lot of times to see it in the case of maybe the boys from the uh, north carolina boys academy but to see how that has played out in our own life it's not always as easy but you know most of us have lived or continue to battle this orphan spirit yeah, and some of us are like in their 70s. <laughs> Not that I'm pulling any punches on Harold over here. We got With us in the studio, we have Brian and we have Harold. Harold is our um, sage, in the, certainly in the studio today. So I like to have somebody that's a little older than me, if at all possible. But Harold, you know, you yourself, because of your struggle with your dad, had some real battles with that coming up. Yeah, my dad... Uh struggle for many years with an alcohol problem he was not abusive to us but uh, was more of the kind of man that just wanted to take the brown bag and go to the bedroom and disappear for the weekend and uh, but I guess my biggest issue with it was the embarrassment that I suffered and uh, the struggles that I had to try and overcome that uh, my dad was a good man in just about every respect. He did so much for other people. He was a, an outstanding mechanic. He could he could make anything run that uh, was mechanical in nature. And he did a lot of work for a lot of people that I tagged along on. So I, I sort of had, a uh, at times, a love-hate relationship with my father. And after I became an adult and looked back, you know, I saw a lot of the good qualities that he did have. And he just had that demon that uh, that he had to fight. Fortunately, he was able to kick it uh, uh, in the last, uh, oh, 10 years or so of his life. He he was off of it. That's a, Yeah. And so that led to some of those issues. And Corey, are you comfortable in sharing a little bit of your story when you had a real surprise coming for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um you know, like I said, like Robbie said, this is my first ever boot camp. Um, 
Brian. I was fortunate enough to that God put Brian in my life um, when I didn't see it coming, and he sensed what I was going through. Um, you know, coming off of uh, uh, a separation, headed towards divorce, um, and just how low I had gotten. And this had been something that had been snowballing my entire life um, with the dad issues going on. And just to start, you know, I didn't have a abusive father, but the when I was 13 years old, I found out that the dad that I had known as my dad the entire my entire life, in fact, wasn't really my dad. And it's not something I could ever really come to terms with because I had a little brother who knew me as my brother. And I didn't want him to think less of me, you know, because we weren't, you know, full brothers. And, you know, the things you think of when you're a 13 year old kid. So I just internalized it and never really dealt with it. Um, and I still to this day, you know, haven't met my biological father. Um, and, you know, growing up when you, you don't, have that you know you feel like you're you're not good enough you know you, you why didn't my biological father stick around why didn't he 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 want me and so I sought validation in everywhere but what I needed to do um you know because before this weekend I'll, I'll be honest you know I I was a huge skeptic you know not really a believer um at all and I was open about it um to everybody, I would, you know, put people who, you know, followed Jesus down and, you know, I just roll my eyes and, you know, and it's I'm looking back on my life now after these past couple of days, I've realized, you know, no wonder I was so empty. You know, I was seeking validation in all these empty places and, you know, no wonder I was never fulfilled and was so low because I wasn't truly getting what I needed. And, you know, I, I am good enough for, for God. Um, who? It's it's just been an amazing couple of days. That's all I can really say. Yeah, I think we're gonna we're gonna play a clip here in a minute that about a a, a father uh, whose son really couldn't speak much for himself. But Brian, you, a couple of boot camps ago, you did the Father by God talk. Yes, I did. Um, before we go there, though, um, go. I, I did want to say, you know, my first boot camp was about five years ago. Um, I had a lot of the same experiences with the father talk that others did. I had a great father, really did. Um, you know, it wasn't until the boot camps that I realized some of the things I was missing and some of the ways that I had become fatherless. And I was really, um, I just thought I could do it all on my own, basically, and I learned that a lot from my dad. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, but before we go there, you know, I will say it, the topic is running with the father. And I don't even think I've told Corey this, but, you know, Monday morning, um, this was probably a month and a half ago or so, um, I asked God in my daily reading in the morning, you know, give me some opportunities today. Give me something that I can do for you that's beyond myself. Um, that day, Corey came to me and said he no longer wanted to work with us. He said, I'm done. I quit. <laughs> um <laughs> So it wasn't until the end of the week that uh, somehow he had came to his senses that he really needed to be with us. Um, and, you know, during that time, I was given the opportunity to speak into a few things that um, I had noticed, and he was gracious enough to let me. But if it weren't for me walking with God during that Monday morning, 
you know, Corey wouldn't be here today. I, and I certainly wouldn't have had the guts to even talk to him about it. So um, we talk about running with the Father. That That's what we're talking about. It's letting God guide us in our daily lives and really doing stuff for him that matters. Yeah, and, and interestingly, um, the, the Father by God talk that you talk about, that we learned at Ransom Heart as we began to study for that talk, I gave it myself <clears throat> a couple times in the last year, is that God is not the backup plan. He's the primary. <laughs> and, and, you know, we've used the clip the Butterfly Circus several f- times on the show where the man without any arms and legs and is in the circus, and, he, you know, he's complaining that everybody has a lot easier, and the, the circus master says, no, you have an advantage. Because, you know, the more difficult the circumstances, the more glorious the triumph. And it's similar that with the Father, you know, you actually almost have an advantage by having God as your primary Father from the beginning. Because as, as you begin to run with him, you get a chance to see it. Now, um, we want to play this clip about this young man whose father was actually helping pushing him along um, and this guy was actually literally running with his father. January 10th, 1962. We knew there was something wrong but we did not know exactly what. (laughs) The doctor said, forget Rick. Put him away, put him in an institution. He's going to be nothing but a vegetable for the rest of his life. We cried a little bit. We talked and we said, no, we're not going to put Rick away. We're going to bring Rick home and bring him up like any other child. We knew Rick was smart. We could tell by looking in his eyes. And when we talked to him, we, you know, he was paying attention to what we were saying. So we wanted to get a computer built so Rick could communicate with us. Everybody came to our house that night for Rick to say his first words, and everybody was betting, you know, what is the first words Rick is ever going to say? His mom saying, it's going to be, hi, mom, and me, the dad, saying, oh, it's going to be, hi, dad. Well, the Boston Bruins were going for the Stanley Cup, and the very first words Rick ever said was, go Bruins. Rick is my motivator. He inspires me. To me, he's the one out there competing, and I'm just loaning him my arms and my legs so that he can compete. There's just something that gets into me when I'm out there competing with Rick that I can't explain it, and we're able to go faster. I may be disabled, but I live a very fulfilling life. And if someone takes the time to get to know me, they will realize that I am no different than anyone else. Rick would tell you that, uh, you know, if he... If he was physically able to do something, that he'd probably play basketball or football or hockey. But then he always says, no, the first thing he'd do is sit down and have me sit down in his wheelchair and he'd push me. You know, it really makes me feel good that, uh, that you know, he appreciates, you know, what I'm trying to do to help him out. And he'd do the same thing for me. It's a fascinating picture to me, uh, Sam, that, we kind of are that broken down kid and 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 if we'll allow him god will push us at, at, at into a phenomenal adventure um 
if if we just realize that he's our father and we allow him to do that. Yeah, and I think it's if we don't allow other things to distract us or tell us that we can't. You know, the thing that was really cool in listening to that clip, Robbie, was just realizing you can hear the extreme amount of love that 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 father Richard has for his son Rick and just how much more our Heavenly Father has for us is just truly amazing when you can take that little glimpse of that compassion and know that that our true Father in Heaven has so much more than we can even comprehend. Yeah, since before the beginning of the world, you know, he's been planning that we would have a Brian, that we would have a Corey, that we'd have a Harold, and we'd have you listening. You know, he's been planning that for years, and we're going to get to more of that and running with the Father when we come back. Stay tuned. Go to MasculineJourneyRadio.org for more information. Hi, this is Sam with Masculine Journey. I'm here with my son, Eli. We're going to talk about ways that you can help support the ministry. One way you can go to smile.amazon.com. There's information on our website there on how to do that. Then you can go to facebook.com where you can click the donate button. Or you can go to MasculineJourneyRadio.org. Once again, look for the donate button. Or if you want to mail something in, mail it to PO Box 550, Kernersville, North Carolina, 27285. I am William Wallace, and I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. God has set within each of us a masculine heart. Why? Why did he give you that heart? And what does the Christian life have to do with any of that? Come join Masculine Journey Radio for a boot camp, November the 1st through the 4th, based on John Eldridge's book, Wild at Heart. And when might that be again? That's a great question, Tiny Jim. November the 1st through the 4th. Go to MasculineJourneyRadio.org. understand when we when we let the rivers run let the dreamers wake the nations so you're running with god you you have a running story for us yeah uh and mine centers around uh what you should not do if you're going to run with god uh back years ago there were i was going to have my two sons run with me uh, in a 10k race and of course um i build everything up to in my mind so the day comes for the race and we get started my oldest son uh, gets frustrated very quickly and darts off ahead because the pace is not to his liking. I was in good shape. My youngest son was not. I kept with him, and when we got within about 50 yards or so of the finish line, he dashes off and leaves me. <laughs> I was, And I could have left him at any point in that race and, and everything. And I was so frustrated that, you know, here I come across the finish line by myself when my intent was to drag my boys with me across the finish line. So if you're going to run with God, don't run off ahead. (laughs) Don't outrun your dad. Well, Corey, uh, can you take us to these Olympics where – 
Derek Redman and and set up this this next clip. This is another father that is going to come to the aid of his son. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was the 1982 Olympics in Barcelona, um, and Derek Redman. You know, he was kind of the favorite going into it. Um, you know, everybody thought uh, this was going to be his chance that he finally you know broke through. He'd had some bad luck in. Um, previous Olympics and this was going to be the chance you know this was going to be the time he finally broke through and um, uh, bad luck sets in again for him but it turned into a really powerful story and one of the most memorable uh, Olympics ever Olympic moments ever actually I think most people have seen it you know where the father breaks out of the crowd and comes and helps his son across the finish line but we have here sort of an interview with Derek years later to kind of discuss, you know, what was going on in his mind uh, during this event. The gun goes. And I had a really good start. Redman's got off very fast indeed. I'm slowing down the back straight. And as I describe it, I hear a funny pop. And two or three strides later is then when I felt it. And I felt the sort of the rip of the hamstring. Redmond has broken down. He's on the track, kneeling down, and Derek Redmond, on his injury problem, the jinx has struck again. And I just remember having my hand on the back of the leg and just sort of collapsing to the floor in, in pain. Then I remembered where I was, and it was just like, you're in the Olympic semi-final. And that's pretty much what, what made me get up and, and, and start to, to run uh, or hobble. And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to finish this race. Um, it might be the last race I ever run, so I'm going to finish it. Not for anybody else, I'm going to finish it for me. And I was just about to start into the home straight, and I could sense this person on my left-hand side. And then I heard a, a very familiar voice shout out, Derek, it's me. And instantly I knew who it was. It was, it was my dad. With his track record and injuries, it may be his only Olympic appearance. He just can't hold it. He would always have been there with me and he spent many a year standing on the sidelines in the middle of the winter with a coffee in his hands trying to keep warm and all he was saying was look you've got nothing to prove you're a champion to us you'll be back don't worry we'll do this together I just said to him get me back into lane five I want to finish I want to finish just get me back into lane five and the joke that I always make about that is the first and last and only time I've ever been able to shout at my dad and get away with it. <laughs> Any other time as a kid, you would have got a quick smack round here and told, oi, less of your cheek. We still had officials trying to, to, to stop us. And they're not quite sure what to do. They're thinking, who's this crazy man that's just walked onto the track? Is What's going on? All this sort of stuff. And right up until the point I'd gone over the line and walked through the line, I had no idea the reaction it was having on the crowd. And I sort of, you know, had a look around. People were going absolutely mad. Everyone's on their feet and all this sort of stuff. And and as I was thinking about how that reflects the boot camp in so many different ways, that particular clip, in that um, throughout the boot camp, it was brought up several times that a you know a Christian man gets up seven times, where the, the non-Christian falls and never gets up. Well, Derek got up. You know, that was the first thing that absolutely happened. And, of course, as he began to hobble, you know, it, it drew everybody's heart. But the, the clincher, um, have, you, have you ever tried to hobble your way through something and then all of a sudden to have your Heavenly Father come alongside Sam and, like, Will Smith in Bagger Vance, 
I've been here with you the whole time, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, for me, this was a, a bittersweet boot camp. Um, you know, I, I always enjoy going, and and ironically, the the Monday before we would typically show up on Wednesday to set up, um, I was taken out by not one but two hamstring injuries, um, tearing both of my hamstrings and a uh, uh, company outing playing paintball. Um, you know, and, and I would say that the thing that was really cool over that time, although I really truly missed the fellowship with all of you guys, was that, that God continually came after my heart as the enemy would try to continue to tell me, you know, you're letting the other guys down, you're not pulling your weight, you're not doing, you know, what you should be doing or what God wanted you to do. And, and God just wouldn't let me buy into that. You know, he kind of, you know, was there saying, no, just heal up. It'll be okay. There'll be another boot camp. Just walk this thing through with me. Wow. And I, I you know, you know, I, I know for me and, and for, um, Harold and those, or even Rodney, who, I mean, even, uh, Corey, who, who knows you well, was kind of expecting, you know, the, you could kind of tell Sam was there, even though he wasn't there. Wouldn't you say Corey? Oh, absolutely. And, and Brian, you were in a similar situation where the enemy was coming after you because you couldn't make the boot camp this time, but still, it, I, I'm wondering your take on that. Um, yeah, so I have a little story there, too. We were at the advanced boot camp, what, August, right. I guess. Um, my wife and I kind of argued about some things. Um, long story short, I was not very happy with her, um, to say the least, but I really felt during that um, time with God in a certain session, I can't remember what it was, but I just remember God saying, you need to step down for this for just a season, for whatever that meant. Um, you know, my wife was um, pursuing a kind of a passion and dream of hers that I hadn't really let her do that. So I stepped down for a season. I wasn't there either at the boot camp. Wish I was. But, you know, I think for me, um, God came after my heart as well, just like Sam, um, fighting for my wife, letting her do what she needed to do. She she found some amazing breakthrough where she was at this weekend. So um, listening to God, letting him kind of lead my way. You know, and I don't know this for sure, but if I wasn't, um, or if I was at the boot camp, I don't know if Corey would have had the same reaction. I'm not sure. Yeah, I was actually just about to, you know, say that. <laughs> You know, at first when I got there, I was I was mad at you, Brian. Oh, I was so mad on Thursday when I found out that you or Sam wasn't going to be there. Um, and I went in so, you know, I think Robbie Robbie could sense it. I think the first, you know. Yeah, I you, sat down at the dinner table with you, and I was like, ooh, somebody's looking a little distant. <laughs> yeah, um, I definitely was closed off. I did not want to be there. Um, I was Well, you there. got in a better mood when you found out I was an Auburn guy. I did. I did. I did. Once I once I found out, yeah, War Eagle over here. That was that was good. I had a buddy there. Um, but it, I don't think I would have either. Um, because you know I would have probably just been trying to please you. You know what I'm saying? Being yep. my boss yep. instead of really listening and um to these guys and boy they. They knocked down every single wall in defense I had and really broke me down. And uh, I'm so grateful, and it's the greatest experience I've ever had in my entire life. And I'm, I mean that in all sincerity. 
to you, Robbie, and to you, Brian. I just I can't even tell you how thankful I am. Yeah, it's 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 a, I'm I'm often just blown away on how we can fall on our face in so many different ways. And honestly, had a conversation like that with my own wife this morning, <laughs> not actually at lunch, and, and um, you know, I'd really really hurt her. Um, a couple of weeks ago was something I said, and I mean, and at first I defended myself, and 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 then I found myself flat on the track, right, with hamstring pulls, and I realized that man, I was broke down, and I really hurt my wife, and you know, it was kind of cool because God just picked me up and said, you know, you you can get real with her and tell her you messed up and that you're on the you know face and 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 got. You know, I don't know how to put it, but it's like this intimacy that happened because I could admit that I was drastically wrong <laughs> in the situation. But I couldn't help but note that, that, you know, running with God, often you find yourself in the wheelchair or, you know, flat on, you know, your back. And, and, and the beauty of it is that that makes him more the star in some ways. Right, Errol? Yeah. Uh, I relate to your statement about hurting your wife unintentionally on my part as well as I'm sure yours. But uh, I have a a real problem of trying to make sure that everything is correct. Uh, I guess goes to my computer programming background. And so I've had a bad habit of when she says something and, and it's not exactly correct, I make sure it is. And that has gotten to be a real issue for us. I've got to stop it. <laughs> I've got to stop it. I've got to start running with the Lord and, and, and let him slap me up beside the head when I start to do it. Well, we were going to play the Chariots of Fire clip, you know, with a famous, you know, I, when I run, I can feel God's pleasure. And unfortunately, we didn't get to that. But I imagine many, many of our listeners have heard that. And I, as you consider that, it's a fascinating thing to me that quite often you think your mission is to go lead the boot camp or you think your mission is to go do this or that. But sometimes you can sit back and find amazing ways that God's made you where you can feel his pleasure, you know, just to run with him wherever it is that, that he takes you in the season, whether you're flat on your back or, you, or you're out there running like Eric Little in the Olympics. We are so grateful. Really, that you would spend your Saturday afternoon with us here at the Masculine Journey. We'd ask you to go to masculinejourneyradio.org for the upcoming boot camp formation. We thank you for listening.